Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had the life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, you may know her from the TV show Irma Vep. You may know her from the runway fashion capitals of the world, but today we will be talking to her about her fantastic Oxford Gardens EP, Devin Ross is on the program today, and this is a very interesting conversation. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother, who is the show producer and the guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do. You can also find this podcast on Twitter. No, not Twitter. Uh, uh Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. All those are found at Turned Out of Punk on those respective platforms. And you can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at left for damien If you want to support the show, tell all your friends about this podcast. Let them all know that uh, you enjoy this thing. And they may enjoy it too. I also play in a band we are called Fucked Up. You can find out more information about that over at fuckedup.cc. And uh, there's uh, records and no, no, no tours right now on the horizon, but there's records and T-shirts and, and charity auctions and all sorts of fun stuff over there to find out about. Actually, I don't know how much it gets updated, but there's definitely stuff on there and links to stuff that's more updated. Like the band's on Instagram and 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 Twitter. Mike does all that stuff. So you can find that stuff over there and check that out. And that is about it. All right. On to today's show. As I said off the top today on the show, someone who has had a very, I guess their beginning of a journey into this world of music, but someone who has been around this music their whole life. Talk about someone who was uh, raised with guitars very present in, in her life. Uh, Devin Ross is on the podcast today. I was first familiar with Devin Ross from that, uh, revamp of Irma Vep, a fantastic movie. And I actually really enjoy this TV show too. That came out a few years ago. I had no idea that, um, it was even the same person at first when Thurston Moore and Ecstatic Peace, his, his record label that he's run for years and years kind of started raving about Devin Ross and this new EP they were putting out. And the first songs that I heard, I thought were fantastic. And Oxford Gardens, as it's called, is, is a great EP that has now come out on a static piece. And then putting all these pieces together and finding out about, not that it's about people's parents, but I do find this podcast, as much as it's about punk, it's, it's also people's journey into music. And, and I, I'm fascinated by different ways into things or different exposures to this culture, to this music, or anyone that chooses to be involved in this thing. So, yeah, Devin's journey was was very interesting to me, and and it's a it's a great conversation. It's something you'll hear in a second. So why am I telling you about it now? Uh, so I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Check out Oxford Gardens. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot about Devin, I imagine, going forward. Like she is an incredible player, great songwriter. Uh, also just someone that I think you're going to be hearing a lot of in the future. So sit back, 
relax and enjoy Devin Ross on Turned Out of Punk. Devin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, as I told you off air just now, I'm a big fan of a few different projects that you're involved in and a few different mediums that you're involved in. So very excited to get a chance to talk to you today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited too. Well, I got to start off the way they all start off, which is, Devin, how'd you get in a punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across it? Um, oh God, I don't know. I was like obsessed with the Ramones when I was a little kid. That was probably like the first music that really like, I was really like excited about. Um, and yeah, I would like record little like songs that I thought sounded like the Ramones. I didn't think they were speaking English when I was a kid. I was like, and I would just like make up I thought they just like made up their own language or something and I would try to like kind of like emulate them and like just speak like gibberish but yeah the Ramones is probably the first um my like introduction I guess and like my parents were always playing music in the house and um and then I yeah I mean I I in LA and kind of like when I was a teenager there was like a pretty happening like DIY kind of punk scene and all my friends were kind of in like these hardcore bands um but yeah it's kind of like always been around in my life so well you grew up in or you were born in Toronto like myself right yes I was were you well wow. I'm here in Toronto right now oh wow wow that's crazy we're fellow six gods oh my god I know I am kind of uh, yeah I was born there and then I kind of spent like my teen early teen years in LA so how long did you live in Toronto for um I was living there on and off like my whole childhood so probably until I mean we were always moving around but I left when I was 14. and you uh grew up in a musical household because your your dad played in uh, a few different bands including legendary LA punk band Legal Weapon did he no Maybe that's something I don't know, actually. I think he played guitar on Legal Weapons record from 1988. Oh, probably. You're probably right. I didn't know that. I'm like learning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fascinating because I knew Broken Home, but I did not know like about uh, like his, he had an early metal band called No Sugar too, right? I don't know. Maybe that's a di different card rock. I know the Broken Homes for sure. I think it's the same guy because I, I definitely... Um... I, like it would have been around the same time. And I think Legal Weapons, maybe he just played on the album, but I think they were also on MCA around the oh, same time. Oh, that makes period. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, oh, I have to ask him about that. I did not know that. Definitely. Please do. We'll do a part two and you can fill me on the Legal Weapon connection because Legal yes, Weapon. Okay. I'll give you the inside scoop. Well, Legal Weapon, I think, is a very underrated but hugely significant LA punk band. And the, the, vocalist her voice is raging and they just they kind of kept going and by like 1988 they were a little more metal sounding mm -hmm. but a very significant la punk band wow cool i didn't even know that so what was the first uh kind of show you went to oh god um i mean the first show i went to was like definitely one of my dad's shows um but i don't know i kind of started going to shows alone when i was like a teenager um I don't know we go to like the smell in LA and like um there was like so many kind of DIY like venues at that time I don't know if that's still happening I'm sure it's still happening but it was like kind of like more of a tight-knit like scene at that time um but yeah like I just grew up going to my dad's shows and then you know he'd like take me to see the stones and stuff like that um which I remember really well 
But yeah, I don't really remember the first show that wasn't my dad's show. It's kind of like, it's kind of a blur. I must have been really young. Well, that's the thing when you grow up in a household with music like that. Like my my dad played, but not like your dad plays. So I kind of grew up going to concerts too, where it's just kind of always around you. Yeah, it was just kind of like a normal thing. I didn't really like, it wasn't like cemented in my head because it was so, I don't know, it was so, so normal for me to like go to shows, which is crazy, but yeah, I don't know if I can remember like my first show. I mean, I remember the Stones really well. That was maybe my first show. That wasn't my dad's, but. You brought up the smell there, and I think that's obviously still going, but it's one of the most significant moments in, in recent DIY history because I think that's one of the last places where you had like a DIY scene that's centralized around a venue like that. Like Yeah, it, and like young people could go. It was like kind of one of the few places we're allowed in because like, you know, most of the clubs we couldn't go to because um, we were like 16, 17 so the smell was always um under 21 which was cool i think that's probably why we all went there when you need those spaces right for kids to kind of discover music and and get a chance to get up on stage and play yeah 100 percent. and and you know not everyone had good fake ideas you know <laughs> some of us did, some <laughs> of us didn't so we kind of all had to congregate in a place that we all could hang out you know well, it's interesting because so much of music history, particularly rock and roll history, has come from young people. And I feel like this is the era where it's kind of skewed way older for the most mm -hmm. part. Like there's so many more young people, I guess, into different stuff now that it's just it feels like rock and roll is becoming just old people's music. And a lot of it comes from older people. But that's not what drives this thing. And certainly not with punk. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think. You could definitely look at it that way because that is very true in a sense. But I mean, I have so many friends, like all my friends are kind of in rock bands. Like, I guess that's maybe the people I surround myself with. But um, I don't know. I feel like it's very much alive in a certain space. Maybe not in the mainstream, but. Yeah, like I think, you know, you're right. Like it will never die at any point. And I, th I think it's obviously still very significant. Like it's all yeah. I play. But it's you know? not like, oh, music's going to change the world type thing anymore. Yeah. Like, it feels like that's probably going to come from Minecraft or Fortnite looking at my kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like even, like, I don't know. Like, I even know, like, younger people who are, like, into that stuff. And then, like, later in their teens, they, they start going to shows and their interests kind of change. Oh, absolutely. But it's not the same as it used to be. Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, like you're saying, there's, there, there, I'm sure there are DIY spaces. There are, I know for a fact, DIY spaces, but it's not it's not getting easier to find these spaces to play as rents are going up everywhere as totally. things are getting I mean, more and more expensive. I think the smell almost closed like during COVID. I mean, LA like changed a lot during COVID, I think. Um, yeah, sadly, but. I think everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone, everyone says that about every city, to be honest, mm -hmm. kind of sad, but like I'm in Austin right now. Um, I just got here a few days ago. It's like my first time here, but there's so many places to play music here. It's like insane. Well, it's interesting when you look at Austin. Well, once again, that's a place that I'm sure has changed a lot too. But like when I remember going there for the first time, it's like a city that's built for live music. And I guess South by Southwest has had a huge role in that. But there, like you're saying, there's so many venues. There's there's so much. Yeah, like I haven't been to a city where it's like, venue 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 all on like the same street like in LA you like go to one you gotta drive 30 minutes to the next one like they're all super spread out but here it seems really like 
tight. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's very much uh, kind of on top of itself in a way yeah. with Austin. And yeah, there. I guess also bands get free parking there, or like you could get, you got free loading time outside yeah. of venues and stuff. Yeah, I think so. My boyfriend like played a show the other day. Yes, I think that's true. Actually, it's amazing because like cities build themselves on the artists that come from there, and like you know they're oh this this huge musician is from this place, but they make it so difficult to be a musician on the way up in any of these places. I know. I know. I mean, being a musician is hard in general, but especially these days. But yeah. Did you grow up playing music? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I was kind of like rebelling against it at some point in my life. I feel like when I was young, I mean, there's like always guitars around. So I was like, pick them up and like, I don't know, learn a song or, you know, I had the, I had the song I knew that I would play, you know, Um, but I like seriously started getting into it when I was probably like 14, 15. I started like playing guitar like properly. But before then, I mean, I always kind of like played instruments like my whole life. I played the bass when I was younger. Um, I was really into that. I had a little band where I played bass when I was like probably eight or nine. Um, But yeah, it's always been like around for sure. What was that band called? I don't know. Someone asked me the other day and I was like, fuck, I really wish I remember what it was called. I cannot remember what it was called. I, I don't even know if we named it, to be honest. Like, I feel like it was one of those like little kid bands where you'd like go to band practice, but like you never actually came up with a name or a song or anything. Seems like for me, it was always just coming up with a name. It never really got past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Name, you a logo. Band, band meetings and, and yeah. You think of a name yeah yeah writing the songs and all that stuff that's that's when all the work comes in <laughs> i had totally. no time for um, that i don't think we were writing songs for sure we we're probably playing other people's songs but yeah no we weren't that serious <laughs> what brought you back to was there like particular artists that brought you back to wanting to make music it's uh, a good question i mean i think like when i moved to la when i was like 14 um and like started going to show like go to shows at the Roxy all the time and like I see these kind of like little like surf punk rock bands um and I feel like that kind of made me want to start a band just like going out and seeing that stuff um but I think I just picked up the guitar and I was like I think I this is just like for me you know I kind of like rebel against it as a kid because everyone always asked me if I was going to play guitar they're like oh are you a guitar player and I was like no I want to be a ballerina like not a guitar player like you know I'm, I'm I don't want to like follow in his footsteps whatever but um I just like can't help it it's just like in me so I was just you know succumb to it one day well it's interesting because I get I imagine your relationship to music is is different than a lot of people because it's the family business in a way. Totally. Totally. And you're like, you know, you're a teenager, you're like, oh, what's the point? I'm never gonna be as good, or you know, which is just that stuff doesn't matter at all. Um, I've learned as I get older. And, you know, it's just important to do your thing and do what you're good at and what you like. And that's pretty much it. It's pretty simple. Yeah, but it, there are so many pressures and there's so many outside factors trying to maybe not even trying to, but that, that can affect the way you approach things. And I mean, you, I'm talking about myself, obviously, and projecting onto you, but. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's, that's completely correct. And I think, I mean, I think if I had 
I don't know. I mean, we're so different. And I think the type of music I do is so different. And I think that probably like helps me a bit. I'm like, I'm not doing the exact same thing. So it's not like you can't even compare and no one can even compare, which is cool because I don't want to be compared. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. But I mean, yeah, of course there is pressure. Like even when I was learning to play, you know, of course you get frustrated or, you know, oh, I'm not going to be as good ever or whatever, but it's fine. I'm not going to be as good as him. Like, that's fine. I've accepted that. Well, it's hard because he wrote one of the greatest rock guitar riffs of all time. Exactly. I'm like, I don't even tell, you know, yes. we're, we're very different. That's okay. But I think that's also, like, it must be just so gratifying as a parent. Like, I've got three kids and my younger two children are, are starting to play music now. And they're way more talented than I ever could hope to be as a musician, but they yeah. are, but just, and they're also into different stuff that I'm into, but the fact that they're into music and that my chaotic life didn't scare them off of that path is, yeah. is really gratifying. Yeah, no, I think he probably feels the same. I mean, my sister's not into me. I mean, of course, into music, but she doesn't play music or anything. So I think when I started playing music, he's probably like, yes, like, yes. Somebody, somebody's going to do it. Someone's going to take all these guitars. Exactly. No, exactly. No, I'm always trying to steal shit. <laughs> I'm, notorious. I'm notorious for thieving his, his gear. Like, not that you have to choose, but you consider yourself an actor or a musician first, or are they kind of on equal footing for you? Um, I mean, that's, yeah. That I, I feel like they're all so different. Like, music's just like, really personal and that's like something I could do on my own like at my own pace and you know experiment things and try things and um acting's more I mean they're just like different mediums I guess like different ways to express yourself like I'm expressing myself in a completely different way when I'm acting or like I'm, I'm working in a different way the way I think about what I'm doing is completely different um because you're working with other people you know you're like working with this director or writer to make their vision come true. Um, and music is my, purely my vision. So it's just, it's, it's like a completely different headspace, I would say. But they're both equally as important to me. I mean, music is just, music is just, um, I don't know, it's like the purest one, I think. Well, it seems like it's one of the few that you can do just completely independently. Like it would be very hard to put on a play or certainly make a movie as one person. Totally. Totally. I mean, of course you have, you have freedom when you're acting in a film, but you're also telling someone else's story, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, you have to do what the director wants at the end of the day, which is cool. Cause I like working with cool directors. And of course you can have your own input and have your own ideas. Um, but yeah, music is just like me sitting in a room by myself and doing whatever I want and no one's telling me what to do. Do you ever find them as like escape hatches from one another? Like when one becomes too much of a, not a headache, but when, when one doesn't serve the creative need, there's always the other one. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just cool. Cause like, I'm so into both of them. Like I love movies, but I've obviously like grew up with music. Like music is like deeper in me, I would say, but it's like great to do like a really fucking stressful film and you're just come out of it like, whoa. And then I can just like sit in my room and play guitar for the next two months, kind of like unwind. I was reading some interviews with you today and it feels like 
the pressure on your music career is is very different than a lot of new artists coming out certainly you know the, the familial aspect of it but then also just the fact that people really seem to be pushing a narrative of of a you know it girl was one evening standard article type thing yeah. and there's like this sort of pressure to force it to be one thing but it just seems like everything you're doing musically is almost like you just resisting that and going your totally. own way with it totally i i mean i think at this point like you know everything i do is going to be model slash actor slash it girl slash you know i have the same problem which is just yeah right i'm sure right. i'm sure you do. <laughs> that's why we relate so well to each other right now totally no it's, it's really just something i've accepted i think at first i was like it girl like what's an it girl like i'm not a fucking it girl like what does that mean and then at this point i'm just like whatever like people love to to slap a label on whatever you're doing and that's fine like i know myself so call me whatever you want but it's interesting because i think stylistically even the music you're making is resisting that like it it feels very well like you were saying earlier like very personal and very what you want to do versus i'm sure like other factors in this industry that want to get in there and, and steer it a certain way totally but that's why it's so great and that's why like working with thurston's label is so awesome because they're literally so like do your thing like they haven't told me anything you know I, it's just so they just let me be like so independent which is rad and i can like you know make any music i want really do you remember meeting have you met thurston I'm sure you have, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're good friends. I met them. He did the music for Irma Vep, actually. And we met at the premiere at Cannes Film Festival. And yeah, it was just like history since then. And we were both living in London at the time. So we'd like hang out and his wife's really sweet. And um, yeah, we just kind of like built a, a cute little friendship. He has like like growing up, he was my my it boy as a yeah as oh my a god man. he's like my like I, I played a show with him my first show actually at the 100 club a few weeks ago um and yeah he was like sound checking and me and my friends were just like staring at him like oh <laughs> my god <laughs> like, like this is so cool <laughs> yeah i think most of my personality is directly related to stuff he was into or like the way he acted in that movie 1991 the year punk broke i don't know if you ever watched that documentary i've never watched that but i gotta oh, watch that you gotta watch it's amazing it's the nirvana sonic youth tour in the summer of oh, 91 sick. i think i've seen clips from that actually it's awesome it's so good but i would just take it all in and and yeah there's just something about him and his approach to to music that's just so pure and loving about music yeah totally i think he really changed the way i saw playing guitar and writing music you know what i mean um which like really inspired because when i started getting the sonic keys i was like pretty late to the party but um i was just like whoa you can make music that sounds like this or you can play guitar like that or you can do like any obviously I knew about tunings from like Keith Richards and like, you know, that, that kind of the open like blues tunings, but I was just like, what it really like blew my mind. And I think that made me feel like I could like really be an artist, I guess. Cause I was always like, like I've always been into music. I've always been into writing songs, 
but I never wanted to have like you know a rock band like that sounded like the 60s or like you know and then when I started getting to like Sonic Youth and Pavement and like Breeders and all that stuff I was just like whoa like you know I want to make music that's not like that or like it just it just like kind of I don't know it kind of like opened my mind of like songwriting I guess yeah because I think what you're saying there like he he has like a it's it's almost like the the uh equalness of all forms of artistic expression where one second it's madonna worship the next second it's free jazz worship the next second it's like worship of some scrappy teenage punk band from sweden and they're all equal there's no rules like there's no you know the structure rule doesn't apply and like yeah everything's valid Totally, totally. And it just kind of makes you feel like you can do it too, I guess. I don't know. You know, when you listen to Jimi Hendrix, you're like, I'm never going to be able to do that. But like, there's something about Sonic Keys that's like kind of for the people. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think so too, because I think they were, they make feedback sound interesting. They made totally noise popular yeah they and and also like the the approach they have to kind of noise-esque music like i don't know i love like songs that are noise with the chorus with like, a mm-hmm. catchy chorus or like you know what i mean I, I always wanted to do like kind of like a half and half vibe because i love like pop songs like i love catchy songs like you know what's not to like but i also love like experimental like kind of noisy droney stuff so i always wanted to kind of like mix those two things together well i think that's when when punk and hardcore are done perfectly that's what it is it's like a a really catchy pop song disguised as something super aggro and completely impenetrable i love i love that stuff yeah yeah there's a uh I, I say it all the time on the show, but when Jennifer from Royal Trucks was on the podcast, she talked about how she would hear like pop songs and discharge discharges music. And there's like, uh, yeah, like there's a, there's a something wonderful about hiding a pearl inside like a, an oyster or something like something beautiful inside something, not necessarily powerful or attractive. Totally. Even like, I've been really into that song star power by Sonic Youth. Yeah where it's just like it's so catchy and awesome and then it's just like and at the end it's so catchy and awesome again like just like the hybrid of those two like that's like perfect like song to me yeah there's a uh a a quality to to aggression and and there's just something that that is when something's honest when there's an honest form of expression and there's something that's that's catchy to it that's like i guess that's what we're all chasing right we're all trying to make that kind of kind of art but then i also love like i don't know like the glenn bronco like just fully fucking freak out you know noise attack catchy things or anything but it's still really cool i find i need a little pop structure otherwise i just get lost in the noise Mm. (laughs) i mean glenn bronco has these like um i think my favorite one's called like lesson number one for guitar they're kind of like guitar like orchestra like noisy guitar orchestra it's just so cool i don't know it's just like, like ever-changing kind of songs well that's i think the sonic youth thing is is fascinating because they are an art rock band like they come out of glenn bronco they come out of this guitar symphony world and this but they're also very much trying to be a pop group and and yeah. going for these opportunities that are presented to them uh, but there's also this sort of weird punk thing 
running through it too they're just like a because they came out of that like mm -hmm. time in new york like the no wave kind of scene which is so cool um but yeah yeah so do you find yourself able to kind of fit into any sort of scene or is that even relevant at this point i don't even know if that even exists anymore i i was talking about that with someone the other day and i was like it's just so broad now like I don't know that there's just there's so many bands which is great but like i wouldn't say there's like a particular like movement happening at the moment or maybe there is somewhere but and it feels like it doesn't have to be centralized like it used to now like there's post pandemic where everyone's kind of used to taking in music wherever they can find it and mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be all from one place so much as it all has to i don't know ring true and to a person now yeah i mean it definitely has something to do i mean i hate to say it but like social media and stuff um they didn't have that back then they had like what they had around them so mm -hmm. it's so much easier to create a scene i guess um and now there's just so many in the in the fucking internet so it's like you know they're out there but they're not physical i guess when there was also it feels like when you had limited resources and it's a group of people in a scene that are all kind of trying to do this thing there's a uh, a gatekeeper kind of quality that winds up happening where only certain things are able to ever get released but now anyone can put out their music and, and have it totally. disseminate around the world totally i think i was talking about this with someone the other day like the last kind of like scene scene because i had just watched that um movie meet me in the bathroom about like the strokes and th that whole like thing that was probably like the last actual physical like scene of like music of all these people that like live near each other and played you know like kind of rock explosion revival situation well, I, I think the smell that you brought up i think that's another like, that too yeah that was like a little time in itself yeah. even like that the little like punk thing that was happening back then that was like i mean i was also a teenager so everything felt kind of like really cool and special and you know exciting and oh that all these people know each other and all these bands are playing together and you know yeah you know, that was kind of that was kind of one in itself yeah i think the meet me in the bathroom it, it's like a fascinating moment because post 9 11 post vice relocating to brooklyn and being there it felt like I, like, I get what you're saying. Like, that was the last time that the media became obsessed with a place and, and romanticized the geography of a city and the music that was coming out of it in that sort of way. Like, with the smell, it was very much about that venue more than it was about Los Angeles. But, yeah, meet me in the yeah, bathroom. It was a bit more, like, underground. I feel like mm -hmm. all those, like, the Strokes, yeah, yeah, it's like, whatever, they all became mainstream. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, they all had, like, number one records back then. And that was, like, yeah, the last, like, big, you know... Because obviously we'd see bands at this, like, little dead, they were our age, like, you know, they were teenagers, which is great. I'm not, like, undermining teenage bands or some of the best bands ever, but, you know, like, successful group of, you know, bands that were mainstream that everyone was listening to and, like, talking about. Ooh, that, that, yeah, because you're right, that Meet Me in the Bathroom scene has, like, a slickness to it. Like, it, yeah. it's packaged and ready for... Cool mainstream consumption yeah but there's i guess that's also why it never ring rang as authentic to me as something like the mm -hmm. smell scene did because there was that sense that like it, it, it these are 
people ready for this in a way that the yeah. smell felt like it was kids just kind of fighting for space. Totally. Totally. And bands that would like fall apart after one show or whatever, which is beautiful, <laughs> you know, yep. like it happens. <laughs> yep. Some of the greatest bands never make it past that one show. Yeah, exactly. But as we discussed, some of the greatest bands don't even make it past that naming stage or even make I it know. to the naming stage. I know. It's so true. I mean, yeah, it's life. Are you, is the record coming out as a, as like a physical record or is it only going to be digital? Yeah, it's going to be on vinyl too. So that must feel like incredibly gratifying to put out or does that it, have the same sort of significance to you? It's really cool. I I just think it's so cool to have like a physical thing. Like, I don't know. I love buying people records and like cassettes and stuff like, and like, I think it's so important to have a physical thing and like give it to people and like, you know, if they don't listen to it, like it's in their house. You know what I mean? Like if something gets lost in your phone, then that's like one thing. But if you have this physical thing, it's like, you know, someone's going to look at it, even if they're not going to listen to it. Like, I just think it's like, important to have like an actual like thing you can like touch and look at and play. Well, yeah, because I'm realizing more and more that like there's sort of this idea that once it's digital, it's permanent. But like you're saying, it gets lost. Like there's so much stuff that you just. Totally. Spotify is a crazy place. Like Spotify is a big, big, big universe. And, you know. A record store is also a big universe, but it's, you know, you can see everything in there. Yeah. And I think once you own it too, it becomes part of your life in a way that music that you're just kind of dipping in, dipping out of doesn't like, you have to carry this shit around. It's like totally. every time I move, it's like fucking five days of lugging this shit place. Oh no, I totally get that. I just moved all my stuff from London and I was like, the, I had so many records and they're heavy as fuck. Like like it's yeah it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot to move around but i've always been like super into buying records um ever since i was a teenager so there's something that's uh yeah there's like when you own the artifact it it, it hits different totally and just like i don't know playing records from top to bottom is like so important to me too mm. like you know it's really easy on spotify just like put it on shuffle or like pick out a song but like people make these things in order for a purpose you know what i mean like people think so long and hard about what order their songs are going to go in so i think it's like also so important to listen in the order that the artist you know meant it to be it's it's weird though because like I, I wonder if the approach changes like obviously you're still thinking about it in terms of like a physical vinyl release but i i, I like when you go through Spotify and you look at the number one song on most artists, unless they have a huge hit, it's always yeah. that first song on the record. Like it's yeah. just that's true. Be, I mean, maybe people never make it past the first song. That's <laughs> like, what I think, right? Like, so now are, is the idea that you got to start with your best song, not necessarily your best opener, but your best song overall. I mean, people's attention spans are so fucked these days that, like, maybe that is the way some people think about it. But I love when there's a secret hidden, like, amazing song. Oh, like, yeah. You have to listen to the whole record, and then you're like, what? Or when you never listen to the whole record, and you make it to a song, and you're like, I've never heard the song before. It's amazing. You know? Yeah, well, like, the Modern Lovers, first Modern Lovers record, I don't even really like side one at all. Like, the whole side one. Side two yeah. is where it gets good. Yeah, yeah, I agree, actually. You need <laughs> you need those B-sides. And that's... yeah. It's, Sometimes it's, the B-sides are the best. And also, it's like, as an artist, I feel like you think about it so much. You you could even, like, get lost in that. And, like, you know, what is the best song? 
to you is not the people's favorite song, which happens mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting when you kind of, and I guess that is the upside of of a streaming service is that you can actually see what songs people will respond to on the record, provided they get past the first song. Totally. <laughs> Just scary and cool. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying and, and amazing <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, um, totally. But I guess that's what it's always been. Like every stage of music has been adapting to the technology. Like it must have felt terrifying when recorded music first came in. All these musicians that are only good live are like, oh my God, now we got to figure out how to put this on on a medium. Um, totally, totally. Yeah, no, it, it is interesting how every, I don't know, few years, I mean, now I think digital is just going to be like this forever, but you know, vinyl, CDs, cassettes, it just is going, going, going. Well, the art stays the same. It's just the mediums to express it change, or I guess maybe the creative drive stays the same, but the yeah. mediums to express it change. And I, a, a large part of that, I guess, is adapting to these changes. Yeah, which you have to, I think. I think that's important. But then you gotta wonder if there's bands that just can't adapt and are like only, like are there like a, a Pink Floyd or a Grateful Dead I'm not an expert on either, but I imagine they're not so much singles bands as they are album bands. And in this generation, like, is there room for album bands? Totally. I mean, I think there is. I just like, it goes back to like the attention spans being fucked up. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, I love listening to a record, but I also love making playlists. Like that's like one of my favorite things to do is like make playlists. So. Yeah. And, and it feels like also as people's attention spans are getting shorter, by just everything we're engaged with there's also sort of a need to kind of go back to like you're saying like, like listening to the whole album the whole way through like a meditative almost resistance to to shorter attention span yeah which like most of my friends and i think a lot of young people are into like vinyl and cassette i mean like one of my friends bands from a few years ago like they weren't even putting music on spotify they were literally just mm -hmm. selling their cassettes like on instagram <laughs> like if you want to listen to a record like you gotta buy this you know not yeah. everyone even has a cassette player. Like, I don't know that many people that do, but. I have like a thousand cassettes and I don't even have one working cassette player right now. They, it's <laughs> the worst format cassettes. Like, there's a reason. I, I know. Like, I mean, they're cute as they're, hell. Yeah. They look good, but they definitely don't sound great and they break and. Totally. They don't last forever. <laughs> yeah. No vinyl. Vinyl. There's a reason that came back, but cassettes, maybe not so much. Um, totally. This has been awesome, Devin. And anytime you want to come back on and catch oh, up, and we can talk legal weapon. Yes, I'll get the scoop, and we can do this again. We can do this party again. Thank you, Devin, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Devin. In the future, will be back on this podcast, and we will be talking about. Uh, a lot more stuff. Check out Oxford Gardens available now on Ecstatic Peace Records. And that is it for today's episode. Coming up on the next episode of Turned Out a Punk, someone I have, it's I've known for years, and I've been certainly a fan of their band for well, ever since this band started, and, and fan of fan of their previous bands as well, but never had a conversation with them on anything approaching this kind of level in terms of the depth and stuff. So I, I but it's weird because it, it does feel like a, a very close peer in a way. And certainly someone I'm a huge fan of, 
On the next episode, Matt from Piss Jeans is here. And this new Piss Jeans record, which is dropping this week, this is, I don't know, that right now is my record of the year. This thing is fantastic. I've never disliked anything this band has done, but ah, this one is, this one's awesome. We'll talk about it next week. I'm excited for you to hear it. Well, that's the end of this episode. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives and issues of indigenous peoples all over the world matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and their rights and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths, different races, different nationalities, because we're not talking about politics here. We're talking about basic human rights. Ceasefires are basic human rights. People deserve to live free from hate and violence. So if there's people affecting positive change in your community that could need, that could use support, uh, or organizations that you, uh, feel could use support, get out there and support them. You can volunteer, you can, you can donate money, you can donate time if you have it. There's, there's plenty of things you can do and there's a lot that has to be done in this world. So if there's something that you're seeing, it'll make you feel better. It will. Speaking of things that get better when you're involved in them, this music scene, this is, uh, anyone can do this shit. Like, obviously there's a barrier of entry in terms of, I guess the cost of equipment to make music sometimes, but anyone can start a band. If you have access to this stuff, anyone can do this and everyone can get involved in this thing in some way, shape or form. You can start a band, start a fanzine, start a podcast. Uh, any like this is the easiest shit to do. If I'm making a podcast, I guarantee you could make a podcast. Maybe there's too many of these things at this point, but hell join the fucking party. Like why not? Uh, what else do I like to I tell this to you and I'm also telling this to myself. So this is kind of like my mantra as well. Like if you're like, God, this guy always fucking does this shit. But this, there's a reason because I have to <laughs> I have to remind myself of this stuff. Uh, speaking of reminding myself to do something, try meditating. I, I need to be doing it far more than I am. And when I do do it, it makes me feel so much better. Uh, and I'm not telling you to try any specific practice or any specific type of discipline. Cause I think they're all, well, I don't know. I don't know a shit ton about it, but in my experience, do whatever you can. There's like YouTube videos. You can follow this shit on YouTube and just, uh, yeah, try it and stick with it. If it's, if, if it's hard at first, you know, speaking of something that's not hard, sign your organ donor card because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them anymore. And I've seen it perform miracles with my own eyes. So, uh, you know, sign that thing. Uh, if you're still listening to this podcast, it has been uh, a very heavy time. And this isn't to undercut anything that's happening in this world and the severity of shit that is just, we're inundated with. So be easy on yourself. Check in on your friends. Love them in a way that 
you, you know, you can deal with the fact that they might push you away, but keep checking back in on those people. And uh, that's it. Stay safe yourself. And uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening.